Station 31. You read me? Found something in the ice. We need some help down here. Can anybody hear me? We found something. We found something. discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things! Welcome to another episode of High on Horror! I am one of your hosts, Smiles, and today I'm joined, of course, by our other two co-hosts. Let's see here. Should I introduce Chris? Hello! Yes, you should. What up? That's Chris. And we have over here Mr. Josh. I have to prevent myself from saying something very bad. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Welcome to another episode of High on Horror. (laughs) Hello, horror friends. How are you? Uh, You know they can't respond, right? Uh, (laughs) Anyway. Let us know on Twitter. So today, um, we are doing John Carpenter's The Thing. How do you guys feel about The Thing? I, I'm i very stoked to do The Thing. Uh, you know what I'm not stoked about, though, is that the only way to watch this movie currently on streaming when we made this episode is freaking stars. Yeah. Fuck stars. Fuck stars. <laughs> we instituted a new policy on the show that it has to be easily accessible for all three of us for us to <laughs> review it because... <laughs> Because shit like this, where it's only on stars, absolutely not. But that being said, very stoked about the thing. Uh, 1982, John Carpenter. It is a remake. And uh, I think I was the one lobbying for this movie for a minute. Because I I love this movie. And I love like sci-fi horror in general. And I feel like this is probably one of the best ones. If not the best. I agree. The only other one that I think is even close to a contender is Alien. Yes. Which I, was inevitably... wait, I was waiting to see if you said Alien versus Predator because they both have spaceships <laughs> <in their eyes. laughs> 
inevitably we are going to have to do Alien as well because that movie also is fantastic. Before we jump any further, we should do a little celebration. As of this recording, we are officially a podcast. Today's podcast day. Yeah. D-Day for High on Horror. Let's go. We're recording this on September 22nd, the first day of fall and the first day of High on Horror actually being a podcast. So super stoked. Cheers, boys. Shout out, shout out to you gentlemen and shout out to everybody who's been out there supporting us, sharing our stuff. We really, really appreciate it. We have seen a huge swell of support right when our show dropped and yeah, we're hype. We're out, we're riding high right now. And people are liking it right away. Mm -hmm. Getting lots of good feedback. Strangers. (laughs) (laughs) I barely get strangers to comment on a podcast I've been doing for a year and a half. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Hey, but the horror community just built different, you know, like I feel like horror aficionados and horror fans are like, I don't know. It's just some kind of like secret subculture within film in general. Hell yeah. It's dope as fuck is what it is. I do feel like it's kind of like the the country music of movies, though, because there's a lot of people who just do not like it. Like, I do not like country music, but I love horror movies. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I think that's a good or it's like the metal of of. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's better. Aesthetically, you know, that's just better. Because, you know, what's the country music of movies. Fucking like Hallmark. Channel you're movies. right. You're right. Oh, that's <laughs> true. That's terrifying. Maybe we'll do an episode on Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> Lifetime movies. You trailer trash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is the screamo of movies. Like not, it's definitely not for everybody, but man, do we fucking love it. So we're going to talk about uh, the thing. Yeah. So I guess the first thing that we should talk about is Kurt Russell and Keith David. Absolutely slaying in this movie. I fucking love Keith David so Me much. Me too. He, like, He's been one I, of my favorite actors since I was like four. <laughs> like before we even get into like the actual like story or anything for this film, I just got to say like the, the push and pull between Keith David and Kurt Russell in this movie. So good. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, it's like two opposing giants on screen and I love it. Yeah, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. And then, obviously, John Carpenter is a master of horror. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for kind Miles to comment on that. I feel like it's like of. an Easter egg that we can just sprinkle into every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Say masters of horror just once in every episode. Uh, well, I mean, he did He did Halloween, so like you got to... Give him some credit for that. Well, yeah, he he had like a good start and then immediately just like crashed because he did Halloween. He did the thing. He did Christine, which was that's based on a Stephen King book. And then he just started doing like weird. Like, didn't he do In the Mouth of Madness? I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen that one. And, yeah. yeah. He did, <laughs> that that also has Donald Pleasance. And then he did like uh he did like a lot of crappy ones. And then but he'd get this like groundswell just based on his name every once in a while, because his name is before the title of every single one of his movies. 
It's always John Carpenter's this, John Carpenter's that. He did John Carpenter's Vampires in the 90s, and they really pushed it like it was going to be this dope-ass movie, and everyone hated it. <laughs> and then they did Ghosts of Mars. You ever seen Ghosts of Mars? Yeah, that's a movie. That is a movie. Like it's I like have. Jason X with fucking Ice Cube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Natasha Henstridge, bro. She's my girl. Dude, you're selling me on this movie. It's I'm gonna go good. watch Ghosts of Mars. Oh, it's, it's like a it's like a demon curse that overtakes people, and then they become these like demon monsters on Mars. Like, but it's like almost like Mad Max <laughs> on oh Mars. It's, it's, this is everything I want. The end is so fucking ridiculous in that movie. If we cover it on this show, it'd be a good one because it's absurd. We could totally do that. I'll totally do that for the ridiculousness. It's of absurd it. movie, and I love Ice Cube. Also, we'd be remiss to not mention that John Carpenter did Big, Big Trouble in Little China with Kurt Russell three years after Christine, but like almost 10 years before that in the Mouth of Madness movie that is unspeakable. Yeah. and But he also did like ex- the Escape from New York and L.A. movies, and everyone's like, oh, L.A. sucks. Guess what? I watched New York. That movie sucks, too. <laughs> like, it's not, I like it's not great. Like, I understand from, like, a budgetary standpoint how he, like, made it and stuff like that, but it's, like, there's very little dialogue. (laughs) And, like, it could be cut down severely, especially just time-wise. I love those movies. They're not meant to be good. They're just fun. He's supposed to be an action star, and there's very little action in the (laughs) fucking movie. (laughs) He just looks like an action star, and that's, like, 90% of it. (laughs) I do like the Snake Plissken's-looking guy in, uh... The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Do you remember oh that show? Oh my god. Haas yeah. <laughs> Delgado. <laughs> All right. Who wants the first spanking? The only reason I remember him is Brandon recently brought him up in our, and we had like a cartoon tournament we were doing on, on Geek Peak. And he's like, Do you remember Haas Delgado? And I was like, Wow, secret part of my brain just unlocked. Haas <laughs> Delgado. <laughs> All right, anyways, we're talking about a great movie. (laughs) Yeah, let's go back to the thing for a second. I feel like I know that evil marshmallow rabbit from somewhere, but he was wearing a hat. Maybe I'm thinking of my evil marshmallow stepfather. Quick, quick, fun little trivia. A tradition in the British Antarctic Research Station, they watch the thing as part of their midwinter feast and celebration held every June 21st, which is when winter starts in this film. Uh, so let's get into it, shall we? I'll ask this right off the bat, since this is set in Antarctica. Besides seeing snow, did you feel like they were really playing fast and loose with the fact that they're in Antarctica? Oh, yeah. Because Kurt Russell spends a majority of this movie in khaki pants and a leather jacket. <laughs> and, like, that, what, what's the worst and it's that negative happen? 30 degrees outside. <laughs> what's the worst that could happen out here? What's going to happen? <laughs> My skin going to freeze off or something? They even like make reference, not to get ahead of myself, but they even make reference like later on. They're like, yeah, after the alien crashes and it crawls out of its ship, it must have froze out of here. It's like, okay, if that thing froze, you should not be wearing cacks, Jake from State Farm. <laughs> like, it's, it's unacceptable. <laughs> We start out, we've got this very 80s, very alien remissant scene of looking at outer space. Got some some music from, uh, is it Ennio Morricone? Yeah. Morricone? Yeah. He, also did the Exorcist score. Great, great composer. 
uh, passed away recently, like a couple of years ago. But uh, so we get this this great music and we got space and then it kind of pans to Earth and then we get John Carpenter. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the name of the movie. And then it's like, <laughs> just kidding, tears through like the screen of, you know, the fourth wall. And it's like the thing, which great, great title sequence, you know, simple, short to the point, effective. And at one point they say it in the movie. They do. Yeah. And our main character says it. This is probably the third or fourth time I watched this movie. And it's the first time I heard them say, it's one of those people who's the thing. And that's about it. And, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, hey, he said it in the movie. And uh, (laughs) I love it when he says it in the movie. He says the title in the movie. (laughs) All right. So (laughs) opening scene, helicopter. Okay, one thing we got to, like, preface this whole movie, you have literally no idea what's happening until, like, 45, 48 minutes in, roughly. And very like, little time to process because it just keeps going. Yes. And, and Josh, was this your first time watching this? This was my first time sitting down and watching it straight through unedited. Like, I had seen Whoa. most of it piecemeal on TV to where I got the whole, the whole just... I had seen... Like literally nothing in this movie was surprising. Like I knew, I knew everything that happened mm-hmm. already. I I'm just haven't very, sat down and watched it all the way through. I'm excited to hear your thoughts at the end of this on like what you thought of the movie overall because oh, yeah. I know Miles and I were both very high on this film uh, in our premiere episode, and that's for good reason because the movie slaps. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we get we get the helicopter scene. We got these two Norwegian guys shouting at each other. One of them is uh, John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is really high on himself. It is. I didn't even realize it was John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, holy shit. You're going to be the first character on screen. Also, you're going to have your name come out before the title. <laughs> I was surprised he didn't just say, fuck it. I'm also composing the music for this, too. <laughs> He's, is he the pilot? Uh yes, I. Uh, then I he t- he also wrote himself to jump on a grenade. <laughs> like, <there's laughs> a- <laughs> oh wait, actually, excuse me. He was not. He was not the pilot. He was on the video footage. Oh, he wasn't. But the, it, I was gonna say, he, was he the dude shooting at the dog? <laughs> but it, it honestly could have been one of those because, like, we the video footage is like very blurry. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So. Helicopter scene, we just have this helicopter chasing this dog. Like, you didn't even realize it's chasing this dog at first. This dog is just sprinting across Antarctica. It's a beautiful husky. A lot of really great cinematography in this film. Um, Like, big open landscapes. Also, though, like, once we start getting inside the facility, some of those shots are freaking awesome. You see the helicopter closing in on the dog, and you realize that one of the Norwegian guys is taking pot shots with a rifle. Question for you two. Who's a better shot, Kakoa Shaw or this <laughs> fucking guy? That's not fair. <laughs> I'd say a fucking stormtrooper's a better shot than this guy. <laughs> like <laughs> they they like not too further in this movie, they say that that the facility that these people came from is an hour helicopter right away. So you're telling me they chased that dog for an hour in a helicopter and couldn't hit it once? Yeah, that's that's pretty. Uh, but at the same time, Kakoa Shaw didn't hit shit. He didn't hit a goddamn thing. <laughs> so it's hard to compare. I, I'll, 
I got to give him a little leeway, though. He was free running most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's like parkour. I never shot a sniper rifle out of a moving helicopter before, but it seems hard. But either way, I guess I am on team Kakoa Shaw because he's our lord and savior. Well, you know what Kakoa Shaw didn't do? He didn't shoot a stranger in the leg when he was trying to shoot a dog. That's true. So he didn't hit a target that he wasn't attempting to hit. (laughs) That's true. Kakoa Shaw wins. My my first time watching this, I was like, what is, like, literally what is going on right now? <laughs> like, why are they chasing this dog? Oh, uh, um, for the audience who uh, they may be jumping in on the first time here, we were pretty early on, uh, our, our first official episode we dropped was of the movie Malignant, and we determined that the lead cop, Kakoa Shaw, is the greatest, and uh, if you want to hear more about Kakoa Shaw, go to that episode, because it's been, like, over a month at this point, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been there's been a lot of Kakoa Shaw talk amongst us three. <laughs> <laughs> Even since that, like, we'll probably p- potentially never go back and rewatch that movie, but we will. Kakoa will live in our hearts forever. Yeah, Kakoa Shaw is now immortal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, at this point, um, like Josh had mentioned earlier, the helicopter chases the dog into the American camp, the American Antarctic outpost, and. Everybody's like, what the hell is happening? Basically, everybody at the Antarctic site, the the base, is having the same reaction of anybody watching this movie for the first time. And the Norwegian sniper misses and shoots somebody in the leg. And then at that point, the Americans are like, hey, fuck you, guy. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the grenade situation (laughs) happens. That was so. Uh, he went to throw a grenade and it just fucking like fumbled out of his own hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, they don't represent Norwegians super well at the beginning of this movie. That's what the prequel's for, uh, but. <clears throat> anyway. Yes, yes. Okay, so at this point, they're like, holy shit, the helicopter blows up. Um, they take the dog in. Everybody's a little shell shocked, kind of asking like what's going on. We also <laughs> then we cut to Kurt Russell and they immediately establish Kurt Russell as the intellectual sex god of the group <laughs> by having him one be beautiful but two lose to the computer in chess as like the first scene you see him in. It's like I'm closing in on you lady and then it's like mm, checkmate, checkmate, checkmate. <laughs> like, yeah and then he opens the computer and pours his drink into it (laughs) and says cheating bitch (laughs) like it's 1982 that computer probably costs like twenty thousand (laughs) dollars he's like fuck this thing honestly uh i like looking back on it you know having watched it a couple times it's it's interesting to show like the very first thing they show of the main character of this movie is like that his strategy is flawed, you know, like that's him losing in chess. That's, you know, something else is a step ahead of him. And then the whole movie is like this cat and mouse game between him and the thing, or is it the thing and the thing? Mm. We don't know. Mm. We don't know. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) We'll speculate on it later. Okay, so he loses in chess. He breaks the he breaks the laptop like someone who's a freshman in college would. And then uh, then we see Captain Eyebrows, 
This man's silver eyebrows stood out to me. Is that Wilfred Brimley? Uh, let me double check his name. The I, old doctor. That, uh, it's not the doctor. It's not the guy in the suspenders with the glasses. I kill you. No, it's it's uh. You're talking about like the sheriff yeah. type Palm, guy. Palmer, I think. Palmer. No, no, Gary. Gary. Donald Moffat. That's who I'm talking about. Okay. He has the longest, largest eyebrows. <laughs> like. I literally could not. As soon as I saw him on screen, I was like, "How did I ever never notice this man's eyebrows? They are sharp." Um, I'm I'm getting off on a tangent here, but like I have that in my notes. Literally, silver brows is what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> you know, shortly after that, um, they're they're kind of all like still talking about what's going on with uh, like what what was what was happening or whatever. Uh, the one dude Binnings, little bitch. He's like, my leg got shot. Oh, poor me. Oh, boo-hoo. I mean, I get it. Poor me. I took I a get... bullet. Oh. Your, <laughs> your leg got shot. But also, like, there was just Norwegian men who blew themselves up outside. Can you chill? <laughs> yeah, he only got grazed by a bullet somehow. <laughs> a gun that was facing directly at him. <laughs> and a bullet wound that seemed to go directly into his leg. Somehow only grazed him sideways. The man was in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> the Norwegians aren't renowned for their sharpshooting ability. <laughs> I mean, it did look like it blew clean through his calf. Like, that guy should have been out, done, game over. But later they were like, well, we can't have a crippled man on set. So we got to make him not so crippled. He was grazed. They're like, we're not we're not doing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Right. We're not having another Franklin character. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so the the camp leader, who is Captain Silverbrows that I was talking about, um, he ends up killing that one. Like once once all that shit hits the fan and uh, Bennings gets shot, he actually ends up killing the one Norwegian guy who is alive and like trying to explain what's going on, but don't speak no English. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, when in doubt in the eighties, you just shoot the guy who doesn't speak English. That's that's the way to do it, right? <laughs> they did have a gun. All right, so <laughs> moving forward, McCready, which is Kurt Russell's character, and the Doctor Copper, uh, love Copper by the way. Also, fantastic character. They're like trying to figure out why the Norwegians were wanting to kill the dog, and we get that one. We get that one scene with the cook. I actually don't have his name written down, but he's like, maybe we at war with Norway. <laughs> maybe we're that's at war with Norway. Favorite. Oh, I love it. Yes. That's one of my favorite lines of the entire movie, honestly. It was hilarious. It, that that never fails to crack me up. They're like trying they're all trying to figure out why these Norwegians just descended on their Antarctic outpost to murder them. <laughs> Shot one of their guys in the lake. <laughs> but first, they wanted to murder that dog. <laughs> and blew up their own helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if I was them, I don't think I would have just considered that to them like being incompetent or clumsy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is all according to plan. <laughs> they, they decide that they're going to go and check out the Norwegian base and... Uh, you know, we get some more Kurt Russell being a badass. He's like, we can do this. I'll take off in the storm. 
I'll wear a very floppy sun hat. <laughs> oh, yes. Wait, is that is he wearing it at that scene? Because the one that I noticed is like his is the, pilot's hat. Dude, he only wears it when he flies. Dude, when they... All right, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but when they go and actually see the ship, he's got that on and the sunglasses, and that is an entire vibe. <laughs> Indoor at nighttime sunglasses. So good. Dude. Well, I have a I have a question. What what do they do here? What are they researching? Because all they seem to do is sit around and smoke pot and get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's what I would do if I lived up there. But like the Nor- Norwegians are doing some shit. They found a goddamn spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly could not tell you. I think they're just like literally taking samples of the ice and stuff like that. They never say. They never they say. Never say. They never show them doing any work. Their scientists <laughs> do and that. doctors are incredible, though, with the amount of information they glean from things, but we'll get there. I was going to say, there's one guy who has extremely silver eyebrows, and that man just exists. That's his job on, on base. <laughs> they get to the base. Base has been gutted by fire, explosions. There's holes inside the walls. This shit is ransacked. There's also a fire axe stuck in one of the walls, and every person there is dead. Uh, someone had barricaded themselves in the radio room and they follow a trail of blood to that person who is frozen with uh, their wrists and throat slit. That was crazy with the like blood icicles. I did not. I had never seen that part. <laughs> that was that was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> yes. Then we get uh, so they're they're kind of like walking around like, holy shit, what happened here? And quick aside, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal had a The Thing house one year. Dude. So, so dope. That's fucking awesome. It was, <laughs> it was so cool. And it was very, the aesthetic was very similar to all of, uh, you know, what was going on in here. That's, that's why I had to bring it up. But at this point, they continue walking and the doc is like gathering Norwegian papers. And he's like, I need to know what to do it over here. Which, honestly, good on you, Doc. Like, taking that initiative. I appreciate that. Like, you know, Josh, you don't see them doing a whole lot of work, but they're not stupid. <laughs> well, Kurt Russell goes, what, is that, what does it say? And he goes, uh, it's all in Norwegian. <laughs> and no shit. You're in a Norwegian base. And then he's like, I'm going to take it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps calling them Swedish, too. <laughs> yeah. So they walk kind of like outside into this like separate room. And they have what I like to call the ice coffin in here. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be reviewing um, the 2011 The Thing film, but the ice coffin scene in that movie is crazy. Um, it looks like a giant bathtub. Yes. I would, I would definitely fill that up with some hot water and have some brewskis in it. Okay. Hot water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> until it melts. <laughs> They continue outside uh, past the empty ice block. And as they walk outside, they see a bunch of gasoline cans and they see like one or two burned human bodies. And then they find the thing. Dude. Burnt, burnt up, twisted faced monster body. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even really get to see this until uh, like... Well, they when they get back to base, and we'll talk about that in a second because that's a whole freaking ordeal as well. But um, 
Yeah. So that's that's where we'll leave uh, McCready and Co- Copper. Uh, jumping back, as the helicopter took off, we get the score, the thing score, and then we get a pan shot to the husky under the desk, looking up, waiting for the helicopter to leave. Like the juxtaposition of that was so good because again, you don't know what's going on yet, but like going back and rewatching it, the shots are just fantastic. Like they say so much about what's happening. We get those really, really dope empty shots around the arcade in the, uh, like down the hallway. And we see the dog walk out of the bedroom that it's been hanging out in. You see a walk up to an open bedroom door and we see one person's shadow on the door and the dog walks in. We have no idea who it is. And that's where the shot ends. How dope. Like, I mean, this this movie does a lot with practical horror and like really gory, crazy, you know, flesh amalgamations. But like that shot, I was sitting there just like in awe. I was like, that was so good. Just so good. It was especially with the music because the the guy was listening to the radio on his roller skates. So when they cut to like the different angles or and different rooms, like the music was still playing like it was from whatever different distance. Yeah. So that was really cool. <laughs> and the little nod, it's superstitious. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I wonder why they're playing that. <laughs> so I, that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie that's not like, you know, a gigantic beastie murdering multiple people or crawling away on tentacles. <laughs> I have in my notes here in all caps. They bring the burnt corpse slash amalgamation back to camp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I had a problem with that scene. (laughs) It's like, why? Why did you do that? If I saw that, I'd be like, we'll take pictures. We'll take samples. (laughs) But we are not bringing this fucking thing back. No. Well, they're in a helicopter that's only meant for like four people, if that. And there, it's an hour-long flight from that base to their base. And when they get back to their base, this fucking thing's still smoking. <laughs> it's like it was outside, not no longer on fire, like in uh, Antarctica. I think it got cold enough to where it wasn't smoking anymore. <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah. It, and it's like charred, too. So, like... Even without that travel, it got killed like the day before at least. Yeah. And, uh, well, they're just sitting there breathing that shit in while they're flying that helicopter back. (laughs) How the fuck does that not turn you into a thing? (laughs) We're going down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So they bring this nasty ass creature back, uh, for examination and, uh, they're going to do an autopsy on it. We get a quick cut to uh, Stephen Hyde lookalike from that 70s show, <laughs> Windows. He's like, I can't get a hold of anybody on the radio, man. And, uh, you know, just to reassert, hey, this thing has got them right where it wants them. And it hasn't begun its reign of terror yet. Let's talk about the autopsy scene for a second. This is where we get really our first awesome body horror in the entire film practical you know makeup and things of that nature 
who wants to talk about the squelchy, crunchy, bloody goodness that is the autopsy? I'll talk about it. I got things to say. <laughs> <laughs> Please. They just slice this thing open and start pulling organs out like you would pull canned goods out of a paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, yep, here's a liver, here's a kidney, here's the lungs. And it's like, a lot of these things aren't anywhere near each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, here's the intestines, and he just pulls out like a, a handful of goo. He's like, yep, normal intestines. <laughs> like I said, he's an amazing doctor. The amount of information he clean, he barely touched the thing, and he's like, oh, here are all the organs. <laughs> just dumps them out on the fucking table, and it's like, how did you know they were... Th- you didn't even see them until you pulled them out. The, like, the, uh, the sound production on this too is so nasty it's like and you're like Like, everything everything is so slimy everything is covered in goo (laughs) and like doesn't he also like just glean from doing that that like the cells like bond to other people's cells and shit and it's like how do you know that how do you know that uh well so not yet he at this point he actually is he's looking at it and he's telling him he's like yeah actually everything about all of these organs is completely normal and everybody's like well listen that shit right there is not normal because that's two human faces fused together it's got eight limbs and two faces fighting to get away from each other. <laughs> they kept zooming in on the faces. I'm like, please stop. Was uh, Jim Henson Studios involved in this one? I feel like they might have been with the puppets and the crazy monsters and shit. Maybe, yeah, maybe. There's a lot of fucking flippity floppity things in this grabbing onto stuff. Whoever did it, uh, I, we'll have to like check check into that before the end of this episode, but whoever did it. Like, seriously, the effects in this movie are freaking amazing. 1982, and it holds up better than a lot of shit that's been made in the past two years. Yeah, practical effects, baby. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. 100%. So they they don't really gain a whole lot of information from the organs that they pull out. Thank God he pulls every single one of them out. (laughs) Almost it out like a pumpkin. (laughs) He's like, hold on, we got to get the rest of the seeds out. <laughs> All right, so this is also the scene where you see that uh, homie lights up a casual J. Uh, I think it's the Stephen Hyde character, but he takes his sunglasses off, so I can't. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's him. But um, he's also chilling with the other guy in his room. And already, like, it's calling into question whether or not the other guy laying on the bed next to him is infected. Um, so, like, you know, every single cut, like, every single scene that they have where it's just, like, random dialogue where they're doing some random shit like that, it actually ends up, like, furthering the plot in the sense that, like, it's just, like, a whodunit almost. Yeah, um, well, this is, it is also, like, planned out in such a, a interesting way for a movie because... Kurt Russell is our main character, but it doesn't stay with Kurt Russell all the time. Like, even when Kurt Russell is around, it'll still, like, there's these cool cuts just to be like, you don't know what's going on right now. Like, he would leave, and then they would, like, they'd they'd come back and be like, nope, like, we think you're sick now, even though he's your main character. But it's, it's not, like, 
oh no, we we know Kurt Russell's not sick. We're with him. He's our main guy. That you're just like, no, this thing could be fucking anyway. That's, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the beauty of this movie is like everybody's a suspect all the way to the end. Every moment of it, everybody's a suspect. Yeah, and uh, you know if. For those of you who maybe hadn't seen this movie, you better have watched it before you're listening to our breakdown of it. But, uh, you know, this is the inspiration of the game Among Us. You know, it's a it's a direct uh, reference reference to this film. OK, so dude smoking his J. He's chilling. I hear the weeds real good in Antarctica. <laughs> um, and then at this point, uh, they're playing poker in the rec room. And um, I think it's Silver Brows who says it. He's like, can you get this dog out of here? And it's the one dog that's just chilling in the facility. Like, none of the other dogs are allowed inside. They're all in the kennel. But the Norwegian dog's getting special treatment. And uh, when when it says that, or when he says that, Silver Brows, uh, I think he gets like nipped, or it seems like he gets nipped by this dog. Yeah, he does. So again... Like another, you know, another reference to, oh man, is he infected now? Is that how this works? Blah, blah, blah. So Clark, the dog keeper, who is David Harbour Sr. in my mind. um, (laughs) (laughs) That dude looks just like David Harbour. So he goes with the thing into the kennel. He goes with the dog. Oh, actually, excuse me. Silver Browse doesn't get bitten. It's a character that I've nicknamed Redbeard. Redbeard. Yes. (laughs) The guy who got shot. Uh, Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, Red beard. <laughs> I, I figured, like, uh, one one thing I'll give credit to Josh for is as he was watching, after he watched this movie, he's like, yeah, it might be a little difficult to keep everyone's names separated. So <laughs> yeah. I just nicknamed everybody. <laughs> well, there's so many, there's like, it's a, it's a decent, like, cast of characters. And they're all yeah. being called by last names. And, like... I haven't watched this movie 9,000 times, so I don't remember everyone's name. I, it's like Kurt Russell, Keith David, <laughs> fucking dia- diabetes guy. Yeah. Wilford Brimley. Diabetes Wil- Yeah, you know, the doctor guy, Wil- Wilford Brimley. He usually has a mustache, and in the maybe late 80s and all the way through the 90s and early 2000s, he was, the dia- he was like a diabetes spokesman. If you have type 2 diabetes like I have, you're confronted with choices. You can choose to feel sorry for yourself. I hope you don't. I hope you choose to get involved with a good doctor. Find out some things about diabetes and your own body in the bargain. He's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm Wilford Brimley and I have diabetes. And, and he's like, make sure you test your blood sugar. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, if you want cheap test strips, go to go to this website. <laughs> so you guys remember how we were talking about like the UWN network or whatever you guys <laughs> UPN UPN and we were like the oh yeah you come to High on Horror to get a lesson on uh, you know mid nineties corporate uh, business <laughs> <Yeah>. turnovers <laughs> and acquisitions. Well, this episode you're going to learn who the diabetes spokesperson was. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> When I finish recording with you guys, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm watching that guy's commercial. <laughs> I want a parody of it where his head explodes into a fucking, into the thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That would be his bad. head opens up and eats the camera, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So speaking of the thing, so Clark takes the uh, the dogs into the or the dog into the kennel, and right when that dog goes into the kennel, like the suspense just amps up. So it is super creepy. Yeah, dude, the dog walking in and all of the dogs that are just laying there and they all kind of like turn their heads and start like you know they immediately sense something's up. This is probably. This is probably my favorite scene in the movie because it's like it definitely hits you in the emotions and that you feel so helpless for those dogs because this the evil dog walks in and lays down and they close the door and turn off the lights and it just like splits open and starts shooting acid all over them and shit and it's so fucking yeah. intense and crazy yeah i was also i was gonna say miles it's also because it's fucking terrifying absolutely oh my <laughs> god this was insane <laughs> dude uh yeah like the movie goes from like a solid four at this point to a 10 straight up it gets so crazy. Um, yeah, so all the dogs start barking, and, uh, like, just everything about this scene is awesome. Like, I love the use of animal actors. Like, they, like, it just adds, like, a certain level of authenticity to me to, like, what's going on. And when its face actually, when the thing's face opens up like an elite from Halo, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, first time watching this, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be really bad. And then it starts sprouting tentacles that are just like flailing like crazy. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then it sprouts legit spider legs from its sides. And I'm like, when does it end? (laughs) (laughs) When when does it end, bro? And then it turns into a giant mountain of flesh with a fucking terrifying half-made dog's face (laughs) dude before it even does that though it starts spraying the dogs with god knows what slime and i'm just like yeah i'm like what is even happening right now so david harper senior goes back to the kennel because he hears like all hell breaking loose he sees the carnage of all the dogs dead except for two that escape oh shit This man loves dogs so fucking much, man. <laughs> I know. I got a feel for him, though. Like Me too. <laughs> to a crazy level. <laughs> okay. So, cut to beautiful, and I have this in my notes, beautiful Kurt Russell pulling the fire alarm. Uh, I think now's a good time to talk about it. Kurt Russell's wearing eyeliner in this freaking movie. The whole time. And looks his, like a... ha- his hair is on fucking point. Yes. Dude. <laughs> It's, it's prime russell it's literally beautiful it's glorious it's the most powerful mullet any of us have ever seen like it is so <laughs> it's majestic it's like the mane of a horse but in antarctica fighting aliens but it's so beautiful <laughs> there's no um, female characters in this movie but there's enough sex appeal for any guy <laughs> who wants to watch this <laughs> just with kurt russell <laughs> Uh, okay, so Kurt Russell pulls a fire alarm, and the whole squad assembles to deal with the situation at the kennels. Uh, the quote, Mac wants the flamethrower, stands out to me. <laughs> well, Mac's getting what he wants. <laughs> when, when Kurt Russell walks into the cage, and the dog does his slow head turn and like, flump, like thumps down, I'm like... Oh, sweet Christ. Yeah. <laughs> is it Keith David who comes running in with the flamethrower? Yeah. <laughs> he does. He does. But not before we get a quick shot of the nasty-ass tentacles wrapping around one of the dead or dying dogs. And <laughs> the entire squad decides that they're going to do a straight firing squad. 
and just light this thing the fuck up. And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, you haven't even seen my final form. <laughs> and it grows the biggest claws I've ever seen. And God damn it, if that amalgamation of flesh with eyes, which reminded me of Thousand Eyes Restrict from Yu-Gi-Oh, was not the most <laughs> horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. And then it starts busting out chin-up rips on the fucking ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Dude, it opens that like second section, which I have nicknamed the gaping maw, and another <laughs> mouth comes out of it. I was like, how many mouths does this thing even need? Yeah, and then part of it escapes into the uh, the vents, right? Yes. Or wait, the is that what you're talking about with the chin up? Uh, that might be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he shut, his hands fly through the ceiling. <laughs> So that's when uh, Keith David, his character Childs, runs in and torches the creature. And everything seems to be okay for now. This is the first time, and but it's not the last, where they set something on fire and immediately put it out with fire extinguishers. It's like, <laughs> you just saw a literal fucking monster. Why don't you let that thing burn for a little bit? <laughs> Make sure it's dead. They set it on fire and then jump on it like it's a fucking like <laughs> stunt extra they need to put out. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. The the like quick like pan up to that thing's eye opening is it haunts my nightmares. And then like when that second mouth opens or whatever, and like it's like all this like strings of flesh that like pull back and then like a uh, you know another tentacle comes out. Ugh. The, it's real gross. The effects in this. The effects are like, super gross. And it turns out they are not by Jim Henson. I looked it up. They are by <laughs> what's his name? Uh I had it a second ago. Rob Botton, whoever that guy is. He's a master. He's incredible. He yep. He's a goddamn legend, man. <laughs> <laughs> a legend we've never heard. <laughs> So then they're gonna they're gonna perform an autopsy on the dog, the thing, uh, whatever dead body they have. Uh, Blair is doing the autopsy. He's the resident biologist. Diabetes. And I love when Captain Eyebrows told fucking Wil- Wilford Brimley to be, do the autopsy. He like Wilford Brimley looked at him like, the fuck did you just say? Like I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you looking at this thing? <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that. This is where he gleans an awful lot of information from glancing at this thing. This is where he's telling us that, like, oh, it can replicate people and shit. And like, how do you know this? It t- it would take years of study to figure this out. And you didn't even like you just looked at him and went, look at what it's happening right there. And he's snapping off those spider legs like he's fucking at a all you can eat crab <laughs> lap up <laughs> <laughs> No. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, the second autopsy where we get a lot of squelching. Um, he So he peels back that outer skin. He sees that half-formed uh, canine inside. And then so begins the exposition that Miles was just referring to in the form of a science lecture. And he reveals that the creature imitates its prey at the cellular level. And uh, this particular one was interrupted before it could finish the transformation. But uh, I don't would all- get it. I, are they like making copies? Because it it just more seems like they're taking over their body like a host. Both. It's basically like there's never like- two of anybody walking around. You know what I mean? No. There's never an actual copy made. 
No, but it can it can like divide itself up or whatever in like uh, in situations where it's like necessary to survive, basically. Yeah, there's definitely Which... always more than one running around, pretty much. Because like those two yeah. dogs escaped, and there's no knowing. I think they both ended up not being the alien or whatever, but I'm pretty sure it's like divided early in the movie, and it's just multiple people could be the thing at any given time. So like it really does like even if they figure out one person's not the thing, it could be multiple people. And I kind of no, like just saying th- there isn't like two. Like, there's not two versions of Keith David running around where there's a regular one and an evil one. (laughs) That we know of. I can picture no better (laughs) reality than that, though, to be honest. Two Keith Davids? Dude, okay. Hell yeah. The world world couldn't handle that. (laughs) (laughs) Little little, uh, fun fun idea here. What if there is two Kurt Russells in this film? Mm. That's true. We don't know. So at this point, the exposition dump comes, and so then they decide that they're going to go to the excavated area. Or actually, excuse me, they watch the video that they brought back from the Norwegian camp. At this point, is this the part with the world's smartest computer that is like, if this makes it to mainland, it'll take over the entire world in this amount of hours? Right. <laughs> it's like, um, how the fuck would you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's upcoming. That don't you worry. We'll get we'll get our very cool '80s computer scene. Um, Fucking nuts! Computers don't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> Siri, how many how many hours would it take for the thing to overtake human cut? Um, actually, one thing that I kind of glazed over was or glossed over was um, the conversation between Doc and David Harbor Senior. The quote that stood out to me: "Are you saying to me this dog wasn't put into the kennel, put into the kennel until last night?" And uh, you kind of get this point where Copper realizes the gravity of the situation with this conversation he's having with David Harbor Senior, and he totally downplays the severity because I think at this point he is aware that that guy straight up could be one of the aliens, like very aware, and he's like, "I need to make sure that this thing doesn't think that I'm a threat to it." Yeah, he's honestly yeah. the smartest dude in the whole movie. Besides his magic science abilities, he really is like the guy. <laughs> he figures it all out and he makes like ultimate sacrifices several times because he's just like, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so jump to the video where we get to see John Carpenter. So it shows them like excavating the ice block or the ice coffin that we talked about earlier. And, um, it also shows the spaceship that the thing flew here in, um, mostly buried in the ice, but you can kind of see the shape. And uh, at this point, Mac decides that he's going to take the chopper and fly to the site where they excavated the alien remains and see what was going on. This is the part of my notes where it says, Kurt Russell's sunglasses hat combo kills me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. That's that's definitely got to be a picture we put on social media because it's just glorious. All right, so apparently the the ship has been stuck in the ice for thousands of years, and uh, this is after they come back. You know, they do like some fast roping down uh, or like rappelling down the side of the the canyon wall, and they're like walking around on the spaceship. Not a whole lot happens, so they come back and they're having a team meeting in the uh, the rec hall. <laughs> And the cook walks in and tells everybody about the doo-doo drawers in the trash. 
<laughs> the doo doo. Tra- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because somebody threw He's shitty like, underwear in the trash can. Who pooped their pants and threw these undies in my kitchen? Have <laughs> some goddamn respect. <laughs> And I remember watching that and I was like, why is this in here? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, I feel like it, it gets kind of resolved later, you know, like it's, it's someone who died and was assimilated and uh, they didn't want to smell like poop to give away their cover. That's what I'm going with, at least. I don't know if you guys have a different theory on the, on the doo-doo drawers or if it was just <laughs> completely random. <laughs> I didn't give much thought to it. <laughs> I feel like John Carpenter okay. let his son write two sentences of the movie, and that's what he came up with. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so um, then we get the very 80s computer simulation with the supercomputer that tells us that it's going to take 27,000 hours, around 37 months, until the entirety of the Earth's population is taken over by this alien organism known as the thing. This is actually where I put this next scene right after that. I was like, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell's wearing eyeliner right now. <laughs> His eyes were shining at this point. <laughs> the team decides they're going to put the creature's remains in a storage room. And the assistant biologist fucks. Has to speak privately with Mac. Fuchs? Um, yeah. Fox is better. I like Fox. Is better. <laughs> I, like I, Fox. I just think there needed to be some contacts. Fox is way better. Yeah, yeah. So he tells Mac that he's been looking through Blair's uh, notes. Wilfred Brimley, Blair, the diabetes can- uh, spokesman. Diabetes. And diabetes. they. <laughs> diabetes. 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 <laughs> diabetes. All right. Uh, they they find that Blair believes this organism cells are still alive and active in the burned remains of both the creatures. Uh, to Josh's point earlier, maybe don't put the alien flesh amalgamation out until it's burned to a crisp. Although I guess the one they brought in the helicopter was still smoking after that's true. outside. So. <laughs> There's no oh, yeah, that's how I don't this. get how like they think fire will kill it. Like you brought charred remains back to your base, and that motherfucker like woke back up. Yeah, like it. They definitely don't have great evidence of any way to kill it, though. And like, I guess it does kind of work later. But you really gotta, you know, lay on that that trigger for a little bit, cook them up good. <laughs> you can't make a turkey in five minutes. <laughs> that's true you gotta get it out the day before not earlier that day the day before i don't even know what to say to that make sure you bring the cranberry sauce <laughs> how long does it take to cook a turkey will chris get his cranberry sauce and who is the thing Find out these answers and so much more in part two of our review of John Carpenter's The Thing. Available right now!